I've been reading a new book. It's by Anne Lamott. This book is entitled Stitches, and it follows up on a recent book. It came out just at the end of 2013, and it follows up on her recent book that I alluded to in another sermon, um, Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers. Lamott is a favorite for sure. Stitches, Lamott says, is more about the meaning of life, especially when life feels like the pits. Stitches is a collection of stories and a patchwork of moments and memories and connections that Lamott says help to steer her in the direction of hope and purpose and possibility. If you know anything about Anne Lamott, you know that she's had more than her share of significant challenges and she doesn't mind sharing her struggles that we all might find our way, as T.S. Eliot put it, to the still point of the turning world. Find our way to the still point of the turning world. How do we find our way to the still point of the turning world? How do we find our way through life, especially when life can be full of challenge, full of the pits? as she puts it. Here's a quote from Anne Lamott. Christians would say that the answer is simple. Life's meaning is to seek union with God and be Jesus' hands and eyes for the people who need help and companionship. AA might also say it is simple to stay sober one day at a time and help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. For Buddhists, the answer is mindfulness, kindness, and trying to remember to breathe every so often. Environmentalists want to save the planet for all species, or at least a number of them, and so forth. She continues, Ram Das, who described himself as a Hin Jew, said that ultimately we're all just walking each other home. We're all just walking each other home. Lamont says, I love that. I try to live like that. These are true and wonderful, rich philosophies, but they often work on the good days. How do we live on the bad days? That's the real challenge, and that's the focus of Lamont's book. How do we live through the bad days? I want to take you back now 3,000 years to the beginning of the 9th century B.C. The idea of things not going well, of life's hardships and challenges, is very familiar to human beings and certainly very familiar to God's people. At the beginning of the 9th century B.C., God's people had come a very long way. They had achieved much. You remember that the book of Genesis begins by affirming that God is the creator of this magnificent world. All things are created by God and all things are sustained by God. That's how Genesis begins. All things belong to God even. 
And as the early chapters of Genesis unfold, God calls Abraham and Sarah, two people, called to go and be a blessing, and through them the whole world will find blessing. So Genesis is about Abraham and Sarah and their descendants moving through the ups and downs of life with God. Successes and failures flow along the way. But God is faithful to God's people. That's the story. God keeps working God's purposes out, as the great hymn affirms it. Across the first 1,000 years, lots of things happen to God's people. God's people find themselves slaves in Egypt, and then God frees them. God's people wander in the desert, and God guides them eventually to the promised land. Eventually, God's people find themselves established in the land, established very well with territory and a king and even a temple with God's name on it. Israel gets very established in the land. In fact, there are many stories about this long journey across these 1,000 years. There are many kings. There are Saul and David and Solomon and others. And there are many challenges that come along the way. And that is where we pick up the story today in 2 Chronicles 20, chapter verse 12. Jehoshaphat is king of Judah this southern region around Jerusalem. And in the early decades of the ninth century, other peoples in that region were threatening God's people. In fact, there's a coalition of others threatening God's people, a coalition from the eastern and southern region mounting an invasion against Judah and Jehoshaphat and Jerusalem. These people are known as the Ammonites. And the Moabites, and they inhabited the region on the plains, the rolling area, which is east of the Jordan River in what is now currently Jordan. Ammon was in the north, and Moab was in the south. And another group, the Meunites, were a nomadic culture that roamed the desert south of Judah. So in the early decades of the 9th century B.C., word arrives to the king, Jehoshaphat, that these three groups had joined together and they were coming around the north end of the Dead Sea on the quickest and easiest route into Jerusalem for an attack. Any sense that things were going well in that time and in that place were instantly covered with this news. News that included great fear and much trembling. We may have a good sense about how to live on good days. We can find our way, but how do we live on the bad days? Jehoshaphat and all the country were hearing the heavy march of these vicious armies, and they were imagining the violence and the mayhem that was coming toward them, the immediate future for Judah and Jerusalem and the temple and the king were promising very bad days. That's when we get the single verse for today from Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. O God, will you not execute judgment against them? For we are powerless against this great multitude that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, 
but our eyes are on you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That is a verse remembering, friends, for all time. Oh God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. How about repeating it with me? Oh God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Anne Lamott is right on. Living with faith and hope is not so hard on many days. Maybe when our children are small and they come with all their parts and you get to enjoy them in this amazing cocoon of oneness and baby smells. Living with faith and hope is not too difficult when you're grooving through school or when you've landed the job and the salary that you've long anticipated or you have found the mate that you were looking for. Life can be quite good in many seasons. Working, going, serving, doing, retiring, keeping on. Life can be plenty good. But life's not always like that. The phone rings. The mail arrives. The doctor calls. We turn on the TV. Our children can bring huge heartache. Our life can take an unexpected turn full of horror even. Depression doesn't just knock at the door. Depression can knock us over. We realize that time is not just passing, it's flying by us like alpine skiers. Here's how Lamont puts it. What if you wake up at 60 and you realize you forgot to wake up? And you never became the person you were born to be. And now your hair is falling out. We may not encounter, like Jehoshaphat, a coalition of enemies, the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Meunites, marching rapidly toward us with their thundering footsteps and their beating drums and their intentions. But we will likely find ourselves in some place of distress, some place of confusion and uncertainty and even fear. Will we say, oh God, we, don't, what, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Here's what I'm betting. We're going to say the first part. Oh God, we do not know what to do. What we want to work on is that second part. Our eyes are on you, God. Let me tell you what happened to Jehoshaphat and his people. Jehoshaphat prayed and fasted. Jehoshaphat heard those armies coming and he urged his people to unite and pray and to fast also. They came from all the cities all across Judah to pray to God. And it says, the prayers reaffirmed that God is God and God is full of power. The prayers affirmed that God has always watched over God's people. 
God is always taking care of God's people. And in the midst of this, even uh, one of the priests stood up and reminded the people, and I quote, The Lord is with you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God will prevail. And the next day, with the enemies bearing down on them, they even appointed some to go and sing praises so confident that God would keep them safe. So they sang. They pointed a choir to go out alongside the armies and sing. Give thanks to the Lord as our choir often sings. God's steadfast love is forever. Send the choir out. Affirm it again. They did it. And as they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Ammonites and the Moabites were ambushed. And then the attacking coalition, it says, started fighting among themselves, killing each other off, destroying one another. Jehoshaphat and his people did not even engage in the battle. When they looked over the region, they saw only corpses of the coalition. And they went out and they collected the spoils, livestock, goods, clothing, and precious things, it says. It was so much that they couldn't even carry it. They returned to Jerusalem with joy. And you know what they did? With huge relief, they went into the temple, into the house of the Lord with harps and trumpets, and they began singing God's praises again. It's a story that's meant to teach us something. Keep your eyes on the Lord. How vividly can you depict it? That's the message. How powerfully can you convey it? The message of this text reminds us that our help comes from God. The message reminds us that we belong to God and God provides our rock and our foundation. God is. The story wants to confirm that God is our refuge and strength, as we say in Psalm 46. Or nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord, as we say in Romans 8. God's steadfast love is forever, as we say on every other page of the Bible. God's steadfast love is forever. Now, for sure, even God's people don't win every battle over invading armies. Indeed, in a few generations, Israel and Judah, the king and the temple, all get sacked. We all know also that pain and loss are part of life. We all know, too, that there's no insurance against the heartache and maybe even the horror that comes our way. There's no assurance for sure against the disappointments and the devastations that are part of our journey. But there is something profoundly powerful and something extremely important in this single verse. Oh God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. See, we tend to seek life in so many other places. And many of those places do not involve the certain sense of God's care, the certain sense of God's confidence at work around us, the certain sense of God's steadfast love, the certain sense that we, no matter what happens, belong to God. Some of us in these very days even are finding ourselves perplexed and wearing out from medical situations 
It's not unlike the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Meunites bearing down on Jehoshaphat as we go back again to the doctor and as we learn about cancer lurking in another place or infections eating away at some part of of the body. These are real threats. We depend on good doctors and wonderful medicines and treatments. There are moments when we sincerely do not know what to do. But we know one thing, and we should know it better. Keep our eyes on God. God promises a peace and a presence that will not let us go. God's steadfast love is forever, and that will prevail over cancer and chemotherapy and even the grave. Oh God, we do not know what to do but our eyes are on you. Let's affirm it together. Oh God, our eyes are on you. Some of us find ourselves looking for life in so many places. We spend so much time and energy trying to secure ourselves, our family life, our finances, our professional life, our happiness. Some of that is very important and most rewarding. But if we're not careful, what happens to our focus? We forget where life comes from. We forget to whom we belong. Our life gets turned upside down. We need medicines and cures and prescriptions and therapists and new jobs and this and that. And much of that can be very important. But also, what do we need Keep our eyes on God. Our hope, our life, our daily life, our eternal life are held by God through Christ our Lord. Paul says in Ephesians, I give thanks for your faith. I have heard about your faith and I'm praying for your faith so that your eyes may be enlightened and you may know the hope to which God has called you. It's a message that reminds us that God is always at work in ways we cannot see, in ways we cannot always understand. God is at work to bless and keep, to care and hold no matter what happens to us, no matter what comes our way. That's the promise, and that's true. The eyes of our hearts are meant to be enlightened so that we know that. God is our God. We are God's people. That changes everything. Oh God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on God. This week we've been hearing news again about that infamous stand-your-ground law. In some states, and most notably Florida, this law is getting very broad interpretation. The whole debate seems a long and sad way from this verse. Oh God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That second part, our eyes on God, as is often our tendency, gets lost and forgotten. To have our eyes on God is to live with a constant awareness of whom we belong, not to ourselves. We belong to God. We get along in life, not as we just press forward, doing what we want, trusting ourselves and our own resources, but trusting in God, seeking to do what God would have us do. We get along 
as we pray and as we devote our lives to loving and serving God and loving and serving God's purposes. Oh God, our eyes are on you. Keeping our eyes on God doesn't mean everything turns out just how we want it. It does mean that fully and finally God will not let us go. It does mean fully and finally, that God's steadfast love is forever. It does mean fully and finally that nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. It does mean that this is the way to live, the only way to live with God and for God. Remember, if we focus our lives on Being religious people, that's all we'll be. Religious people. If we focus on becoming successful people, maybe that's what we'll be. Successful. But if we trust our lives to God's care and let God enfold all things about us and live with compassion and generosity and commitment, we'll find ourselves in the full reign of God's light and love, and peace, and hope. May this be our way. Today, tomorrow, the next day, and forever. Oh God, our eyes are on you. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. You are all around us, through us, over us, beyond us, oh God. Help us never to forget it. We trust our lives to you. Amen.